Hi guys, you're with Donna and Cheryl from Now Is Your Time and this is our Life Lessons podcast today with our guest, Camilla Wishaw. Hi Camilla. Hi Donna, how are you? Hi Cheryl. Good, thank you. Well, Camilla's joining us. We've worked out the time zones all the way from Australia. So it's evening there and it's morning here. Um, So we really wanted to bring Camilla on as a guest because her story is amazing. So Camilla was a really athletic like at elite standard which she's going to tell you about you know a young person athletics was a huge part of her life really fit and healthy and then around the age 14 15 things really started to change and then she came across some really huge life-changing events which she's going to talk to us about now so so it's so lovely to have you here thank you for coming and joining us thank you very much for having me it's amazing so yeah so you grew up on a farm right this farm that had been in your family for generations tell us a little bit about what that's like yes I was pretty lucky um from the outside world it was probably a uh a girl's dream um parents had a horse stud so grew up um working helping helping with the horses um there are also other things on the farm too but the horses Mm -hmm. horses were the main source of income and um grew up pretty active um I was fairly athletic, which became sort of quite prominent as a teenager. Um, I'm a distance runner. I frequently um, competed at national level um, and a couple of smaller international competitions. And uh, my favourite events were 1,500 and 3,000 um, and cross country in the winter. So sort of had always been quite fit um, in saying that from a young age, I was always sort of the, although I didn't look sickly, I was sort of the sickly kid that got every cold, every flu, every chest infection, asthma, eczema, hay fever. So there was sort of um, a tendency to get sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then would have been about year eight or nine at school, um, despite being vaccinated against whooping cough, I got whooping cough quite badly. and not one to be stopped by getting sick or anything. I kept running and kept training um, and the demands of school, I, um, my health went in quite a downward spiral from there. Okay. So what was, so first off, had you always just been naturally good at sport? Like, or was it something that your brothers did as well? Or was it just you? Well, it's funny. I wasn't um, as a younger Like in primary school, I certainly wasn't much of a distance runner. I was quite a good sprinter, but um, I have two brothers and my older brother, everything he did, I had to do. Um, Not because I was made to, but because I wanted to. And he was a very, very good runner naturally, whereas I sort of had to work a bit harder to get get results. And he started to get a bit of um, athletics coaching prior to school sports carnivals. Um, and if he did something, I wanted to tag along and do it too. So I went along and did it too. And um, school sports would come and go and he'd run and run well, but that would be it. At the end of that, there was, you know, no more training or running until a few weeks before the school sports the following year. Whereas I really found I liked it and started to find that I had a bit of ability, ability at it. So, um, well, he essentially gave it away and sort of hasn't run since he left school I really, really got into it and found I had um, a bit of talent for it, but a real passion for it and a real motivation to discover just what I could do um, with my athletics and with my running. 
It's, it's quite, because um, my daughter, she competed at national level because she was a sprinter, so she did 100 and 200 metres. And I know yeah. as a parent how much work goes in because I became mm. a coach in your training every week, travelling to competitions. Mm. So it's really time consuming. It takes a lot of energy. So the fact that you were doing that whilst you were, like you say, the sickly kid and, you know, yeah. and you kind of picked up bugs and things mm. that were going around but you still managed to battle through almost and studying at school and yeah it's like because school doesn't stop does it you've still got the normal no. work and everything else so you must have been really dedicated yeah yeah and um mum used to have a rule that if you were too sick to go to school you were certainly too sick to go to training so i'd never want to miss training or competitions or anything so mm-hmm. even if i was crook i'd go to school and then go to training afterwards so i never really gave my body a t- um, chance to recover or recuperate when I was younger. Um, one of the many life lessons I've learnt and <laughs> keep getting reminded of at different times. So Your body, absolutely. So, yeah. so you're competing, you're at this national level, which must be so... Ex- I mean, are you aware of how exciting that is as a young person? Like, like it's such a privilege. Is that even part of what you're thinking at that point? Yes, certainly. And I think there was definitely satisfaction with the progress I made because, um, as I said, like I wasn't necessarily naturally gifted at it. I wasn't um, the kid who at school sports was winning everything. It wasn't until I really got stuck in and started training and applying myself that um, I started to achieve. So although, you know, in layman's terms, I wasn't bad at sport, I certainly wasn't a born runner or born distance runner. You didn't, you know, it wasn't this primary school standout it wasn't until sort of I hit my early teens and um, started training and really applying myself that I actually started to do things so I I looked back and yeah year by year you and you know you get excited by the progress I made and um, remember my father was always so encouraging and you know a couple of times he'd just like write me a little card to say how proud he was or a little note and just to say you know amazing you know the progress you've made and I remember um, one of my first international competitions um, as a junior it was held in Australia it was the Pan Pacific Games Um, my mum and dad uh, came over and watched and I remember um, at the after the games you know dad wrote another card just to say how proud he was and um, he said you know you've shown that you can do anything um, you put your mind to and that was that would be 19 years ago now and I still have that card to this day and you know when I go through tough periods or when I doubt myself um, I pull out that card dad wrote and I think yeah it's amazing when you know that someone sees something in you or who genuinely believes in you and um, to have someone like that and um have that support is pretty amazing. So. It is amazing. But you were clearly an amazing kid, you know. And, and I think even that in itself is a lesson is that I think we can look at people and think, oh, they're so good. Look, you know, they're running, they're winning, or they're on TV and they're doing it. There was a lot of hard work that went into that outcome and what you see, isn't it? It's not like you said you just got up and you were the fastest girl in the school or the fastest girl in the country. You trained and trained and trained. So yeah. that in itself, I love because we can t- think things come too easily. So then fast forward a little bit. Like you said, you were getting sick, getting sick. And then there's this diagnosis then that happens that you, you're really you're sick, you're not well, yeah? Yeah, so um, 
was diagnosed with whooping cough and again you know just attitude and I suppose our family attitude you know soldier on you'll be fine and I was fine and mm-hmm. you know that rule you can't go to training if you can't go to school I was somehow managing to still run which is amazing well. um then my health continued to spiral I got glandular fever um which then turned into chronic fatigue syndrome so I'd gone from being this on the outside healthy but really not truly healthy um but certainly very athletic and fit teenager to someone who was struggling to get out of bed um also had very bad fibromyalgia so Camilla just just tell us just tell us what that is though because I think it's one of those things that chronic fatigue syndrome like I've heard about it but I wouldn't really know how to describe it or fibromyalgia so just just tell us what that is because it might resonate with somebody who's listening Yep, so being a syndrome, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, it can be hard um, to say what, you know, totally defines it or what totally doesn't define it. It can, it's, the diagnosis is often made after ruling out other illnesses and conditions, but it's often preceded by a viral um, infection, which doesn't resolve. Um, There's a lot of stress put on your adrenal glands. Um, There's major hormonal changes, particularly Mm. in cortisol levels often changes in sleep patterns um, and just persistent fatigue for no reason and just struggling to do everyday activities. So um, I literally would struggle to get out of bed in the mornings or struggle to do daily tasks, which, yeah, from being someone so active and um, also, you know, outside of my sport, um, you know, someone who's pretty conscientious at studying and then helping on the family farm at home. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think clearly. I had brain fog, and then the fibromyalgia is. If you think of running a really, really hard race, a full-on um, four hundred sprint, your muscles that lactic acid build up. That was literally how my muscles would feel day after day after day mm-hmm. for nearly went on for about a year with no relief, just that sensation without even doing anything. So. And then what we like, how are you mentally coping with? Because I just think at any age, like as an adult, I would struggle to deal with that. But as a really active, fit, you know, athlete, to then feel like that as a teenage girl as well, like what is going on in your head at that point? For the first few months, I really struggled because, you know, you can't make a definitive point. This is when I die. This is when I develop chronic fatigue because was sort of a downward spiral but I would get to training and I wouldn't be able to do more than a warm-up I'd just be exhausted um and then I'd still incredibly tenacious and certainly was then I would still somehow manage to rally all my resources come a major competition and pull through and do a good performance without training Mm. um and then I just got to a point where I just yeah couldn't get out of bed couldn't do anything I think the turning point was I had my driver's license at that stage and I was driving home from school. And I remember just, fortunately I was just pulled into our driveway at home um, on the farm and I blacked out driving. And that just was obviously very scary, obviously incredibly fortunate that I wasn't on, um, wasn't on the highway that I was back on the farm at home. But yeah, that was when I really, knew that something was wrong so how I coped I was very very fortunate in that um 
a friend, a family friend had had chronic fatigue and she'd had um, experience and a lot of success seeing a very good um, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, yeah. um, who turned her life around. And he, through his treatment, sort of ongoing for a year or so, I got my health back um, and probably improved from, you know, health-wise from where I was before I had the chronic fatigue. Um, I think we, we are massive advocates of this, of just holistic health in general. And we said this on another podcast is like, I, I, I've used a Chinese doctor a lot over the years and he's always astounded how in Western medicine, they never lay hands on you. Whereas in yeah. Eastern medicine, they actually touch and they feel and they try yeah. to understand where the blocks are in your body and what's happening with your chakras and all of this other. And it's just... I think for anybody who today isn't getting what they want from their Western medicine, or if they want something even enhance it, it's definitely worth trying to find it. You know, a registered, a licensed Chinese medicine, medical practitioner where you are, because so, there's just so much more. You know, that medicine has been around for thousands of years before the drugs that you're taking now have been developed. So it's always worth exploring that. For sure. Sure. So, but then, but then it was another blow, right? Then, then something else, which is really horrific, happens. Yeah. So I, um, at that stage, I'd been seeing um, the Chinese medicine practitioner for a few months, and um, I could feel that my health was improving. I was by no way, you know, totally healthy by then, but it certainly was well and truly on the path to being a lot healthier. Um, and my father suddenly passed away unexpectedly. So he was an incredibly fit, healthy man um, and dropped dead of a heart attack. And he was certainly not your heart attack candidate. As I said, you know, fit, healthy, active, yeah. never smoked, didn't drink, or, you know, had one alcoholic drink a week, if you, if, you know, if any. Mm. Um, and he was the glue that held our family together. Um, and he was one of those rare people who anyone would meet in life and they felt like they had met a friend for life. Mm-hmm. And how and old was he then now? Camilla, how old was he now? He just turned 50. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just no age, is it? These days, like 50s mm-hmm. and 40s, so, and like mm-hmm. you said, to be so fit and active. Yeah. So, so that just created, uh, what was the dynamic of that on your family then? Because you said he was the glue, so what then, what then happened? Um, look, I... I suppose we all experience grief differently. Um, and for me, the way to experience it was I thought, you know, what would dad want in this situation? Sort of dad was always the one I turned to for advice. And if I was ever struggling with anything, dad was the one who'd support me and, um, you know, put things in perspective and um, give me encouragement when I needed it. But also, you know, if I was taking life too seriously, he was the first to make bit of a joke about it and I remember thinking straight away you know you've got two choices here you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself and you know be upset and you know his passing really rocked our family and there's still you know my my brothers both still really struggle with it today and it's you know 14 almost 15 years later Mm. um but I remember thinking you know what would dad want the last thing dad would ever want would be for any of us to sit around feeling sorry for ourselves, especially over his passing. So I was like, well, dad would want me, you know, to have the best attitude going forward um, and to be, you know, to be grateful for what I have. And so, you know, I went forward with that attitude 
um, and also wanting to do anything I did in life. You know, I'd want, want it to be something that would make Dad proud. So, um, you know, that's that's the way I um, viewed his passing. And I often, you know, I often think if anyone um, ever asked me or gave me the option that, you know, I could have any father in the world that I wanted that wasn't my dad and I could have them for, you know, in my life for as long as I wanted or I could have my dad, my exact dad, and, you know, have him for the 18 years of my life that I did, then I would absolutely choose my dad with absolutely no hesitation. So I'm always so grateful. I could never have asked for a better father, um, a more supportive father. Mm. And, yeah, despite, you know, despite almost 15 years since he's gone, there's not one significant decision that I make in life that I don't think, what would dad say? What would dad want? What would that do? So um, his presence is always there and, it, you know, it still guides me. Just lovely. It is. Mm. But you said that you almost can feel, mm. it feels to you like you feel your dad's presence with you, which is... Yeah, which is really comforting and really reassuring. So, mm. um, And he also had a pretty good sense of humour, so... Um, and I can be quite serious at times and I can take life a little bit seriously. And, you know, sometimes when I think, you know, I stuff up or something happens or something frustrates me, sometimes I think I bet you that's dad just testing out my patience or trying to bring me back in line kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, certainly, you know, when, you, when I encounter challenges, I always think, you know, what would dad say? And, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that really sticks with me. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. So where That's are you? Good. Where are you now? Then what's happening in yeah. terms of your life from all these things that you've took? Where yeah. Where are you now? How is life now for you with your health and and everything else? So pretty good. I've still still getting my challenges. Um, mm -hmm. So on the back of um, how much traditional Chinese medicine helped me, I decided I certainly wanted to do some study something in the natural health field. Um, I'm quite, uh, without sounding sort of loopy, I do tend to soak up people's energy quite easily. So I was very much, I didn't want to do traditional Chinese medicine, something so hands-on because I think that had just drained me. But I was certainly very interested in the nutrition side of things and ended up st studying naturopathy. Um, so natural health through the promotion of lifestyle, um, nutrition and diet, and then um, traditional herbal medicine, Western herbal medicine, um, and the use of nutritional supplements. So studied that, had an absolute ball. Um, while I was studying, I kept uh, working several jobs um, and having grown up on the farm with horses, was quite involved um, in the horse industry with my work. Um, and then thought as soon as I'd finished uni and graduated that I'd go out into private practice and then I was like, well, as soon as I do that, you sort of, you're not locked in, but I sort of felt that you would be develop your clientele. And then, you know, uni had been quite, um, quite full on, in fact, very full on. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll give myself a break. I'll um, just do some working with some horse studs and at different horse events and did that. And the more I did that the more I could see or felt that there was a need for what I'd learned and studied in humans in the naturopathy to apply it to horses. Mm. And for me, it was perfect. It was combining two passions of mine at once. Um, I was then sort of about 
six months or so, um, actually probably not even that, it was probably only three or four months into working then and was given the opportunity um, to go on a global scholarship program in the horse industry, in the thoroughbred um, breeding and racing industry. Each year, 12 people from around the world um, are put on a two-year scholarship called the Godolphin Flying Start, um, which is funded by Sheikh Mohammed, uh, the ruler of Dubai. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to be a recipient of the scholarship, um, which took wow. me to England, Ireland, America, Dubai, um, and in the Hunter. I did think when you yeah, said you're in yeah. Newmarket, I was thinking, but I did think races, horses. That's what I was thinking yeah. when you said uh -huh. Newmarket, because I know they do racing yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I was just thinking, that's a strange place yeah, to head when you head to England. I was thinking that's where racing is, but I didn't know. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's how come you were doing wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Um, so through those experiences, which are amazing, long story short, is it helped to really cement um, and solidify bringing my two passions together, which has led me to where I am now running my own business as a horse naturopath. Um, I'm based in Australia, but also consult overseas as well. I love um, that. And, and along the journey, because it's not something that's really done. So many people said, you know, what are you doing with your life? What, you know, why are you doing this? And again, I just had, you know, my dad's support behind me like I knew he would say you know you're meant to do this and it's so funny in life I think the times where we need the most faith in what we're doing is the times when we have least evidence that it's there so mm -hmm. um and that's something that's been a recurring thing for me too um, I love that. the times that we need most faith in life is the times when it's least evident that it's there yeah it's like yeah the times when you need the support or the proof to do something is the time when you don't have it so then you've got to have the most faith to to yeah. do it so. mm. i've never ever heard of anyone having that um that is career, a career yeah but i mean it makes total sense to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so i think there's more and more demand for I that see, kind of yeah, thing so if people want to get in touch with you, we need to make sure when our pod, when this podcast airs that we mm -hmm. we can make sure that they can get in touch with you. So what's the best way to find you? Um, on my website, um, www.optimequine.com. So Say that again, so, sorry, Camilla, what is it? www.optimequine, which is O-P-T-I-M-E-Q-U-I-N-E.com. Dot com. Um, and Optum Equines also on Facebook. See, I'm just thinking, to come the shake, not just have you on like retainer, you maybe pop to Dubai, see the stallions. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, see the super yachts. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, you know, that's, I suppose that's sort of a nice summary, but obviously yeah. Yeah, getting, getting there has also had many, many challenges along the way and it's, yeah just staying true to yourself and I think the other hard thing is so often when um, we're putting ourselves out there and following the path that we know deep down is right for us and even though there you know there's no physical evidence of why it should be often those who are closest to us are the ones who question it the most 
Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's staying. I think that's another really important thing: staying true, true to yourself. And you know, I think a gut feeling, a strong gut feeling, and a knowing is a good enough reason. And you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to explain yourself to mm-hmm. others as long as your actions don't hurt anyone or interfere with anyone. If it's right for you um, and you're living legally or lawfully and responsibility and responsibly, then you shouldn't have to justify your actions yeah. or, mm-hmm. or your choices. Yeah. So, so is that, would you say that's your main life lesson is it's that trust you got, have faith. Yeah. And never give up and mm-hmm. yeah, believe, believe in yourself. And again, the times you need to believe in yourself most. So the times when you have the least evidence to, you see, if I was Oprah, I would be tweeting that right now. Tweet a moment. Yeah, that's amazing. Camilla, that's thank up. you so thank much you. for sharing your story yeah. with us. Like, it's so inspiring. And I just love how it all came full circle back yeah. to the passion and how your dad's still mm-hmm. with you. And I'm sure he'd be just, he is so, so proud of what you've achieved. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Camilla.